you for joining us at Bangalore Revival Center. We are a church that's dreaming revival with God and serving people in love. It is our desire to equip you to represent Jesus and carry his great joy to the ends of the earth. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit dreamingrevival.com. Now, as you listen to the word, we believe that God will minister to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful morning that you have given us. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for the freedom. We thank you for the liberty that you have allowed us to enjoy, especially under the covering of your grace, under the covering of your mercy. Lord, we come together as a church, different locations, different homes, different rooms, different uh, venues, different backgrounds, and, and with different expectations. But we have come to worship you. We've come to seek you. We've come to hear from you. Come and invade us, Lord. Release a fresh revelation of who we really are and release a fresh revelation of where you are taking us so that we can be prepared in season and out of season. Lord, I pray and I bless each and every one of my dear children in the Lord. I pray and I bless each and every one in our churches, each and every brother and sister in Christ, each and every one of our friends that are watching online, that are tuned in. Lord, we pray that there will be supernatural concentration, that this next one hour that we are about to receive from you, we will be focused and, and our hearts and our eyes and our minds will be fixed on you and on every word that you are about to speak to us. We love you. We surrender our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are in a season, we are in a time when God is cooking up a storm. We may not see it like that. We may not always understand how he is doing it, but he is up to something really huge, something really big. You know, the dawn, when it is about to become dawn in the morning, the darkness just before dawn is sometimes the scariest, sometimes the darkest, and yet the first glimmer, the, the tiniest ray of dawn is enough to change the entire atmosphere. And I think that we are in that scariest times of our seasons. And yet, this is only an announcement that the dawn is about to come, the revival is about to break out, the light of God is about to come in a way that is going to change our life forever. History is being made during these days. Don't look at these days as days of challenge and problems. Instead, look at these days as days of, uh, of being prepared for something great. The stepping stone into the next great move of God, the next great revival that the Lord is releasing. I was sharing this on a YouTube premiere the other day about how uh, this virus has spread all over the world and it's, it's not just regional, it's gone everywhere. 
And I believe that this new revival that is going to come, that is going to go everywhere too. That is going to go to every nation, every house, every church, every uh, region, every language. Nobody is going to be exempt from it. Every person is going to experience the effect of this new revival. And there shall be salvations, there shall be harvests, there shall be a great rejoicing. You know, we are sowing in tears, but the reaping will be with great rejoicing. And I'm so excited that we are in fact studying this series more than conquerors in this season. And I believe that this is truly ordained by God, that God allowed us to study this series during a time like this. Let me just quickly rewind what we have already read and studied in the last uh, couple of weeks. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We learned how God is in fact, indeed for us. In spite of what we feel, in spite of what we see or don't see, our God is actually for us. The next thing that we learned is that uh, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. The second important principle that we learned in our warfare, in our battle, is the realization that we have Jesus who is the champion of our faith, who is the one who is running ahead of us, who gave us an example to follow. And the gift of Jesus is, I think, the best gift that we have in our battle against the enemy. The third thing that we studied is all the mighty weapons that God has given us. We uh, took time to understand each and every one of them. We took time to understand the strategy that God gave us that it is not a human way of fighting. We are not trying to fight a system. We are trying to fight false arguments and human logical reasoning that are sometimes invisible but are trying to function against the work of God. That is trying to function against the knowledge of God. And we studied the seven mighty weapons that God is giving us. Today we are going to go into the next step. Going to go a little more further. Let's read verse 33 Romans chapter 8 verse 33 it says who shall bring any charge against God's elect it is God who justifies now apostle Paul he's saying this he's saying now that you know that God has given you every weapon he has given you everything you need he has given you Jesus now let me remind you that you are God's chosen ones. You are God's elect. You are the special ones that are called out by the Lord. There are many that are called, but few that are chosen. And you're not just called, you're also chosen. You're the elect ones of God. And because of that, there is nobody who has the guts, who has the power, who has the authority to bring charges against you because it is God who continually and constantly justifies you. It is God who is working in ways that you cannot see. He is working behind the scenes because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. This was not possible in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we could only be our sins could only be covered for a season and then again 
every year you would have to come back with fresh sacrifices. But with what Jesus did for us on the cross, but with what Jesus lived out for us, not only are our sins forgiven, we are justified. That is what God did for us. That's not what we can earn or do for ourselves. This is what God did for us. Let's read it in detail in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. Apostle Paul says, Once upon a time, you were dead because of your sins. He doesn't say you were dirty. He doesn't say you were impure. He, he, he's just saying straight out that you were dead. There was no hope. You did not breathe. There was absolutely nothing great about you. It says, because of your sins, you were dead. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then, 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 oh, I'm so glad for this then that happened 2000 years back on uh, the cross when Jesus died for us. It says, then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we invite Jesus to come and take over our lives, a hundred percent, at that point, God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. Not one percent, not 50 percent, but a hundred percent of our sins were uh, taken care of. He forgave all of our sins and that is what made us alive. Now, uh, verse 14, very important word, okay? It says, he cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In other words, the one thing that kept us dead was not just the sin, but also the charges of those sins that the enemy would constantly accuse us with in heaven. That is what kept us in death. That is what kept us from experiencing God. Now the Bible says because Jesus died on the cross, he cancelled the record of the charges against us. Now these are records that have been there from the day that you were conceived in your mother's womb from the day that you've been walking on this world, from the day that you've been able to talk and you've been lying and sometimes stealing and sometimes craving to do things that are anti-God's character. All of those are records uh, and charges and sins that can be accumulated against you. But when Jesus died on the cross, when you believe that he did die for you, this is what happened. Every record that was against you got cancelled at that very point. Every, every false, they are not even false accusations, they are real accusations, right? And it says that these accusations, they were nailed to the cross. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you Jesus. Somebody say, I receive it God. I, I receive your forgiveness once again. I celebrate your love that you showed for me on the cross. Verse 15, one of my most favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. It says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, in this way, how? The way that Jesus died for us. It says in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That is what Jesus did. He, dis, he removed the record and the, 
all the charges. He nailed them to the cross. Now the next thing that he did is he disarmed. By doing that, he disarmed the enemy a hundred percent. Jesus disarmed the enemy. It's necessary that as a church, we believe this as a principle, as a truth, as a foundation when we fight the enemy. That the enemy doesn't have enough weapons to fight us. It's not enough that we know all the weapons that we have. It's necessary that we know all the weapons the enemy doesn't have. The enemy is disarmed. That is the title of this morning's sermon. The devil's disarmament. You know, if you read that verse, Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, there are two words that pops up. One is the fact that he's disarmed. Second is that Jesus shamed the enemy, all these spiritual rulers and authorities publicly. When Jesus died on the cross, he shamed them. He put them to shame. You know, the one thing that the enemy has been doing all the way from the Garden of Eden is trying to put shame in the hearts of people. He's trying to put shame in the minds of people, in relationships, in communities, in trying to tell us, hey, you, you're not worth it. You, you cannot make it. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus put the enemy to shame on that cross. So the next time you feel ashamed of your past, let me tell you, the cross is what puts shame on the enemy. You have to remind the enemy that he is a shameful character, that there is public shame that is being spoken upon the enemy, all the spiritual rulers and authorities. By doing this, you are reminding him that he doesn't have any weapon against you. By doing this, you are telling the enemy, you don't have anything to make me guilty of, anything to condemn me with. You know, Paul goes on to explain this in, in verse 16. It says, now, because you know this fact, because you know that Jesus has disarmed the enemy and, and he has put this enemy to shame, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. You know, we live in a world where everybody wants to feel good about themselves and, and, and we resort to nice religious ways of saying, oh, you, you, you are anointed if you fast three times or if you are you're anointed uh, so much if you are able to skip so much food and you're able to do that and if you're able to do this. And, and Paul is saying, don't let anybody condemn you for your external things. There are things on the surface uh, that you should not let people look down on you for those. It says in verse 17, For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. You know, Paul is writing at a time when the Jewish rules and regulations were still very prevalent in the church and they were expected to uh, do circumcision they were asked to avoid certain foods eat certain foods you know worship on certain days and bring certain kinds of offerings and all of that and paul said guys all of these things were only shadows of the ultimate reality they were only an image of the ultimate reality for example, this morning I'm speaking to you through live stream, right? Now, this helps. This is very helpful when I cannot be present with you physically. I cannot travel to where you are. 
it really helps for my image for my video to reach your home but let's say that you are in church with me and I am right in front of you at that time that image loses its value the video loses its value at that time you don't need that video when I am standing right in front of you I might as well preach to you directly and that's what Paul says now that we have Jesus Christ don't be stuck with the shadow don't be stuck with the images don't be stuck with these things that are only representatives of the real person of Jesus Christ verse 18 he says don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying that they've had visions about these things their sinful minds have made them proud in other words he's saying some people will come to you and say Oh, you want to be holy or you want to be special then you have to do this and you have to avoid that and you have to stand upside down and you have to wear some clothes like this and you have to have this kind of hairstyle and 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 Paul says all of these pious self-denial that people talk about these are all nonsense don't fall prey to this don't let anybody judge you because of this don't let anybody condemn you because of this because the enemy has already been put to shame the enemy has already been disarmed completely and it says this is why they do it because they are not connected to Christ they are still connected to the shadow they are still watching the video they are still you know talking to the image and they are trying to have a relationship with the shadow and not to the real person it says they are not connected to Christ the head of the body for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. So in other words, if somebody comes and preaches to you and is trying to separate you from the rest of the body, separate you from church, separate you from God's presence, then that is a work that is not from God because anybody who is connected to Christ will only want to join the whole body together because that is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not separating because condemnation and accusation it always divides, it always separates, it always brings distance in relationships, distance in, 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 in receiving from God and I pray and I hope that if there is a voice that is trying to separate you from your church, that is trying to separate you from the voice of God over your life from the pastors and the leaders that you're supposed to receive from that you identify those voices you identify those people and you say hey these guys they are only doing this to uh, to to take me towards the shadow towards the image not to Jesus because Jesus is only going to join the body he's only going to bring us all together as one body and he's the one who will nourish us amen now this has to be the foundation knowing that Jesus in fact has put the enemy to shame and he has disarmed the enemy completely knowing that has to be the foundation now that we know that the enemy is disarmed. How do we live? How do we go about with our life? Now, I'd like to share this particular story from the Old Testament. Uh, let me read this verse and then I will tell you the story. It says in Numbers chapter 23 verse 7. This was the message that Balaam delivered. Balak summoned me to come from Aram. The king of Moab brought me from the eastern hills. Come, he said. Curse 
Jacob for me. Come and announce Israel's doom. So Balak was a king of Moab and he called Balaam. Balaam was a prophet. He lived in a very far off place and he sent for this prophet and he called him and he said, come and curse Israel. Come and curse this people that is coming from Egypt. They had just gotten out of Egypt and they were crossing the wilderness and they are coming to Canaan to their promised land. And the news had reached Balak of how these guys are very powerful. Even Pharaoh and his entire army couldn't control them. Now Balak is shivering and he knows I cannot fight these guys by my strength, by my wisdom. So he called for somebody who can pronounce a curse, somebody who is spiritual. See, he did not call for the, a great general. He knew that there is a spiritual strength which is greater than the physical strength. I know that we are faced with all this virus and pandemic all over the world. There may be an attack on the physical realm, but let me tell you, there is a grace that we can operate in in the spiritual world which can overcome the attacks that is on the physical realm. So he understood that and he said, send men and bring this prophet. Let him come and curse these people. Now let's read what Balaam says, okay? Uh, verse 8, he says, How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I condemn those whom the Lord has not condemned? This is amazing. Now, Balaam is looking at a people group who is having a right relationship with God, who are now alive with God, who has favor with God. And he's saying, I cannot curse them. I cannot condemn these guys because they are, they are one with God. They have favor with God. Now, let me tell you this. As a child of God, you and I, we have favor with God because of Jesus. We are justified by God because of what Jesus has done. Because now we have a relationship with Jesus. Now we are in a place like that and hence nobody can curse us. Hence nobody can condemn us. Now he goes on to say, he's now seeing in the spirit and he's telling the speciality of the people of Israel. And he says it like this, verse 9. I see them from the cliff tops. I watch them from the hills. I see a people who live by themselves set apart from other nations. This was the speciality of Israelites that they were set apart. They live by themselves. They don't socialize. They don't get along with everybody else. That is what gave them favor with God. Now, Balaam is looking at them and he's saying, hey, here is Balak who is offering me a lot of money. Here is Balak who is offering me a lot of opportunities. And yet, I cannot curse or condemn these guys as long as they have a good relationship with God. As long as they, are set, they have set themselves apart. As long as they live by themselves. The next word, verse 10, he says, Who can count Jacob's descendants? as numerous as dust who can count even a fourth of israel's people let me die like the righteous let my life end like theirs what what he's saying is look at these people they are righteous 
I desire to be like them. Here is a prophet who came to pronounce a curse upon God's people and he says they are righteous because they, they, they live a set apart life. They live uh, all by themselves. They are not socializing with the rest of the pagan world and they are not doing everything that everybody else is doing. So I would like to be righteous like them. I would like to have the same favor that they have in this season. And uh, now that is the backdrop of this story. Now as the story goes on, the Bible says in Numbers chapter 31 and verse 14 onwards. Let me read this and then I will explain. But Moses was furious. Now Moses led these people into battle and he says, Moses was furious with all the generals and captains who had returned from the battle. Why have you let all these women live? He demanded. Verse 16, they were the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to rebel against the Lord at Mount Peor. They are the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. It says, they are the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. Now, what he is trying to tell them is that there was something that happened when Balaam couldn't curse or condemn them. What Balaam did was Balaam told the people of Peor, Balaam told the people of Moab, Balaam told these pagan nations saying, Guys, these guys have set themselves apart. They live righteous. So let's do something. Let us send our woman to go and seduce the men of these land of Israelites. Let's get them to sin. Let's get them to break their allegiance with God. Then every curse that I speak over them, it can come to pass. Then I can condemn them because right now, there is no way I am able to condemn and curse them. But if they lose their purity, if they lose that set-apartness that they have right now, then they will automatically yield to the curse. And the Bible says, because of that, there was a huge plague that came upon God's people. Why? Because Balaam, even though he couldn't condemn and curse God's people, he tempted God's people to do the wrong things, to uh, speak against God and to indulge in relationships. I'll tell you what happened. These women, they came and they started sleeping with the men of Israel. And after they seduced these men, they got these guys to worship their gods. They got these guys to worship their pagan idols. They got these guys to uh, engage in pagan revelry and that uh, then after that point, they were no longer the ones that were set apart like Balaam saw in the spirit realm. They were no longer the ones that live by themselves. And now they don't have the favor of God like they had previously. Now, so this is, this is the important point I want you to realize. When the enemy sees that he is without, an, uh, without a weapon to attack you. When the enemy sees that, he, that all the uh, shame that he is trying to put on you, you are deflecting it and you are bringing the cross that is putting the enemy back to shame. He is going to try his best 
to try and bring temptations into your life. He is going to try his best to bring you back into a place where you lose your consecration, where you lose your devotion to God, where you lose your worship, where you lose your love for God, where you become lukewarm, where, where you fall prey to the, to the temptations of this world. And that is where, my dear friends, you and I have to be careful that is where you and i have to be very mindful to make sure that 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 we don't fall prey to the same sins we don't fall prey to the same problems now let me read a portion of scripture from the new testament and and bring a couple of encouragements on how to keep our consecration now when we talk about consecration it is not surface level things like paul spoke about in colossians chapter 2 do not eat this or do not wear that or do not worship on this day or do not you know you know be like this and do not have your hairstyle like this it's not surface level things because jesus said it is not what goes into a man that makes him uh, defiled it is what comes out of a man it is what comes out of your heart that defiles you not what goes into your body not what goes into your heart so sometimes people will try and condemn you because you you know eat certain kind of food or you don't eat certain kind of food don't let them do it that's what paul says but there are something else that we have to be very very mindful about and paul explains why we have to be mindful about that in the book of ephesians chapter 4 uh, we're going to read from verse 17 all the way to verse 31 so bear with me read along with me if you can i know that some of you are listening from your homes and, uh, and you're watching on your phones and all of those things. Don't let the people around you, don't let your circumstances distract you right now. Remain tuned in because this is the most important part. Because the enemy is a mastermind strategist. He knows how to steal your devotion to God. He knows how to uh, you know, bring you into that place where if he cannot curse or condemn you to make you lose your relationship with God, to make you lose your confidence in God, to make you lose your uh, good conscience uh, and, and, and disconnect you from God. And, and that's what he did in the Garden of Eden. That's what he tried to do with Jesus in the wilderness. And that's what he tries to do with us on a day in and day out basis and and let's be careful to not allow him to do that Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17 onwards the Bible says with the Lord's authority I say this this morning I know that some of you are my sons and daughters some of you are our church members some of you are listening to me and and I'm speaking to you not because I am pure I'm not speaking to you because I am perfect I am speaking to you with the authority that the Lord has given me. And it says, Paul says, with the Lord's authority, I say to you, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now, Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus is not filled with Jews. They are actually Gentiles. And yet Paul looks at them and says, hey, you cannot live like Gentiles. Can you imagine Paul writing to us and saying guys don't behave like Indians behave or don't behave like Africans behave you know we'll be offended if we hear something like that and yet Paul 
he's writing to a Gentile church and he says, don't live like Gentiles do because now your identity is not connected to your nationality. Now your identity is not connected to the color of your skin. Now your identity is not connected to the language that you speak. Now your identity is not connected to your family line and, and ancestry. Verse 18, he says, these guys, these Gentiles, these people that you think you're connected to and this is your identity, he says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives them because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Verse 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20 and 21. Let's read these scriptures together, okay? It says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Paul is explaining a lifestyle which is different from what the Gentiles live, different from the ones that the, your, your family line and your, your, your uh, ancestors and the people that has gone behind you live. And Paul is saying, guys, don't live like them because now your identity is in Christ Jesus. Look at what Jesus gave you. Look at what Jesus called you to do. And, and he's saying, this is what Jesus taught you to do. There is a different truth that comes from following Jesus. Now you're not following even the shadows of Jesus, the, the images or the videos, but the real person, the reality. Christ himself is the reality that you follow. So because you know that you have to follow Christ, because you know that you cannot behave like the world around us that have no sense of shame that have that live for lustful pleasure that practice everything that is evil they live in a certain way and they practice some certain stuff their minds and their hearts is it says they they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts and he's saying don't live like them but live a different lifestyle how should we live verse 22 very important scripture it says throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception you know each and every one of us who uh, got saved at a particular point who has been uh, walking with god since a particular day and a time bible says that your former life it corrupted you in a certain way it corrupted your mind and your heart and now it is necessary that as the children of God we learn to throw off every nature our old sinful nature we throw it off on a daily basis we disconnect from our old way of living instead this is what it says instead verse 23 and 24 instead let the spirit renew your mind renew your thoughts renew your attitude put on your new nature created to be like god truly righteous and holy last week we touched about this paul said put on the whole armor of god and in this armor there are two 
things, two weapons, two mighty weapons. One is the breastplate of righteousness and the other is the belt of truth and he says you need to wear them put them on on a daily basis and that's what he's encouraging us to do again and he's saying let the holy spirit renew your thoughts renew your mind renew your attitude you know if you go through two days without renewing your attitude i'm telling you your attitude is going to start stinking if you go through two days without renewing your mind, your mind, your, your, your thoughts, they will start stinking. And it's very necessary that you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and, and, and yield your heart and yield your mind to the Holy Spirit and let Him uh, help you and let Him renew your thoughts and renew your attitudes. And it says, not just renew, but put on this new nature. Put on this righteousness that Jesus has won for you. Put on this belt of truth that is available for you now. It says, put on your new nature that is created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Believe it or not, this is what is available for us. Now, it's not enough that we understand that the enemy has been disarmed. If we have to make sure the enemy remains disarmed, the enemy remains without any charges, then you and I have to live with this new clothing on ourselves, with this new righteousness on ourselves, with this new holiness on ourselves. Throw off the old way and put on this new lifestyle. So practically, what does that mean? He says in verse 25, so stop telling lies stop speaking lies every word that you speak there is a heavy value on every word that you speak because life and death are in the power of your tongue so if you speak something that is not true that paul says stop telling these lies let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body we have to learn we have to try our best to be real and vulnerable and be personal to each and everyone especially to the body of christ especially to people that we call as our brothers and sisters in the lord and he says stop telling the lies and tell your neighbors the truth now read the next verse very important it says and don't sin by letting anger control you don't sin don't let the sun go down while you are still angry verse 27 this is the important verse this is the verse that i was driving to it says for anger gives a foothold to the devil now you understand why paul is telling us all these things paul is saying that the enemy has already been disarmed on the cross. He has been put to shame by what Jesus did. Now you need to live in a different way. Now you need to put on this new way of life. Put on the righteousness. Put on the holiness that he gives you. Let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. And throw off all the old way of thinking and living. with Your old lifestyle which has been corrupted because of your past. Keep throwing it off on a daily basis. Because if you don't do that, sometimes you will end up speaking lies. Sometimes you will be tempted to be angry. And 
sins like these can become a foothold for the devil in other words we can we can give him a weapon by living a lifestyle of sin we can give him space to come and enter our lives even though god has cancelled all the record of charges even though god has said the enemy has no more say he cannot condemn you you can live an open door and you can you might as well be giving a special invitation card to the enemy by living a lifestyle of sin by giving him a foothold to come and enter into your home to come and enter into your finances to come and enter into your relationship how by sometimes uh, you know not renewing your mind by not throwing off your old nature by by not wearing this new nature that Jesus won for us this nature of righteousness and holiness that when we fail to wear this we are actually giving a foothold to the enemy and i pray that none of us will let lies that we speak none of us will let the anger that we harbor in our hearts to give the enemy any foothold in our lives so that's the first thing that i want you to remember from this portion that our negative lifestyles that our sinfulness our bitterness our anger it can create a foothold for the enemy in our life verse 28 it says if you are a thief quit stealing instead use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those in need i i lo- love this scripture it says you know if you are stealing if you're not tithing if you're not you know in the old testament it talks about people that don't tithe and he says you are stealing from god you may think that uh, i'm not necessarily stealing from the government but you can be stealing from god and he says if you are a thief quit stealing and instead use your hands to do good and hard labor do do good and hard work and then give generously to others in need what are you doing by all these things you are making sure the enemy has no space in your life you're making sure the enemy has no foothold in your life verse 29 it says don't use foul or abusive languages let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them see the repeated emphasis on the words that we speak initially he began by saying don't speak lies and now he's saying don't speak foul or abusive stuff don't be rude or harsh in your conversations because everything that we do it has to be an encouragement to those who hear your voice who hear your words and it is necessary that our words will not give a foothold to the enemy that our words will not give a foothold or a space for the enemy to come and enter in the next verse okay this is also important ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 and it says and do not bring sorrow to god's holy spirit by the way that you live remember he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption so the first thing that you can do by not throwing off your old nature by not renewing your 
thoughts and attitudes and by not wearing this new nature that God has given you, the first thing that it can do is it can give a foothold to the enemy. Okay. The second thing that that can do is it can bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. My, I'm telling you, these two things are a terrible combination. If you are giving foothold to the enemy, and at the same time, you are causing sorrow to the Holy Spirit. If you are going to be grieving the Holy Spirit, if you are going to quench the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives in your body, you know, there are some things that you may not even be convicted is wrong. But if you feel that this is going to bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit, then you have to avoid them. There are some movies that you're going to watch that you may not feel are necessarily wrong or bad. But if you're feeling that the Holy Spirit will be sorrowed by me watching this, then you have to avoid watching that movie. If there, are, there may be some things that, you know, may not necessarily affect your conscience, but you have to constantly check and see. Is this something that is going to bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit? And, and it says, Remember, this Holy Spirit is the one who has identified you as his own. Now you are no longer a Gentile. Now you are no longer an Indian, an African, an American or, or whatever nation you are from. Now you have been identified as one that belongs to Jesus. How? Because of the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that is why we cannot mess up our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, so make sure that your lifestyle is such. Make sure that your, your words and thoughts and attitudes are such. Again, if you read the entire portion, you would find that Paul is not talking about what you eat. Paul is not talking about what you wear. Paul is not talking about your hairstyle. He is talking about inside, things that happen on the inside, thoughts, attitudes, the holiness, the righteousness that you got to wear. All of these are spiritual qualities, not physical stuff. Because everything that we do outside flows from the inside. If we can keep our inside clean, if we can keep our inside sanctified, if we can live a set-apart life on the inside, if we can guard our hearts, if we can guard our minds, if we can stop us from becoming hardened and stubborn in our heart and our mind, then automatically holiness and purity and righteousness will become our lifestyle. It will begin to flow in every area of our life. The last verse of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander as well as all types of evil behavior why is he saying this he's saying because bitterness can bring give the enemy foothold rage can give the enemy foothold anger can give the enemy foothold harsh words can give the enemy a foothold slander gossip it can give the enemy a foothold and he says so avoid all of them get rid of all these kinds of behaviors and 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 not only are we trying to avoid the enemy from entering we are also trying to make sure that the holy spirit is not grieved the holy spirit is not sorrowed by the way that we live now some of you may be feeling bad because i'm i'm talking things that you are doing i'm talking about things that you are uh, you know it's part of your identity it's part of your character that anybody who knows you knows you as an angry person knows you as a bitter person knows you as a hurtful person knows you as somebody that is going to spit out venomous harsh words at any 
time you you're you're you know attacked or accused or all of those things and you may be feeling that that you do not fit i'm telling you there is absolutely nothing that the lord cannot redeem and help you from if you've given the enemy any foothold or any space in your life we are going to pray right now and we are going to flog every work of the enemy every tears that he has sown into your life every tears that he has sown into your marriage every tears that he has sown into your finances every area where you've been dishonest or you've been speaking lies or you've not renewed your thoughts and attitudes i'm telling you this morning we are going to see a total freedom this morning we are going to see a total liberty because the presence of jesus is here and he is going to break through he is going to come and overwhelm us you know he is not going to leave us where we are he is coming with hope he is coming with fresh motivation fresh drive fresh power fresh grace for this next one week because with this prayer that we are about to pray right now we are going to disarm the enemy once again he was disarmed on the cross he was already put to shame by what jesus did but over the last one week if we have to introspect our life we know that we have given the enemy some foothold we know that we have put the holy spirit of god to sorrow we have grieved the spirit of god but this morning as we pray together we are going to undo everything come on agree with me right now father in the name of jesus wherever your children are watching me wherever your children are receiving wherever your children are experiencing this freedom and this grace from god i pray that you will cause them to experience liberty right now in jesus name i break every stronghold of the enemy every foothold of the enemy i come against it in the mighty name of jesus every seed that the enemy has sown every tares that the enemy has sown that is bringing out weed i i i command it to be broken right now in jesus name and i speak against every lie that your people are convinced every condemning voice that is telling your people that they don't belong here they don't that god doesn't love them that god doesn't care for them i pray that this scripture will overwhelm them because your word says who can bring a charge against god's elect because it is god himself who justifies us lord we believe this scripture and we appropriate this scripture into the hearts and the minds of every person that is listening to me this season lord i know that some of us are addicted to evil things that some of us are addicted to evil ways of speaking some of us are addicted to selfish feelings some of us are addicted to wrong behavior patterns wrong ways of responding to our situations and this morning i release liberty and freedom because we know the truth the truth will set us free because we have been exposed to the truth of god's word this truth will now set us free a hundred person we will walk in righteousness we will live in holiness and we will not let the enemy have the final say in any area of our life we will have god's word 
have the final say. Lord, we get rid of every bitterness. We get rid of everything that brings sorrow to you. Lord, we get rid of every foul and abusive language. Lord, we get rid of every habits of stealing. Lord, we, we pray that we will in this season not sin by letting anger control us, not sin by speaking lies. Instead, Lord, we will let the Holy Spirit renew our minds and we will put on this new nature that is available, that has been created by God this new nature of righteousness this new nature of holiness we receive this from your presence by faith just keep your hand on your heart and and just prophesy this over yourself right now wherever you are your hand your your life your heart is right now purified not from the outside in but from the inside out you're purified we are not, no longer going to just deal with the symptoms that comes on the outside. But from the inside out, your heart is purified. My dear heart, I speak to you. Be You're refined by the coal that is on the altar of God. Angels of God, just come and touch our hearts. Refine us. Make us pure. Make us holy once again. Make us righteous once again. Make us new once again. Help us to wear this put on this new nature that has been created for us. May every person that sees us during the course of this next one week, tell us that we are different this week. Tell us that we have a new way of responding to problems. Tell us that we have a new way of uh, handling our situations, Lord. Let our lives be different over the course of this next one week. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You know, I want to finish with this, uh, with this portion from the book of Sam. I know that we've all read this and this is a portion that we are all familiar with. But I, I want us to just, if you are at your home, I would encourage you to just stand up. If you are watching alone, just, just get up off your seats and just stand up and just confess this together. If you are watching in a group, just hold your hands, hold the hands of the person that is next to you. And let's just confess this together. Okay, because God has renewed something on the inside of you. God has made you different. You are going to function in a different authority over the course of this next one week. So let's together, uh, you know, confess this as our confession of faith. This is Psalm 103 and verse 1. Lift your hands. Let's pray. Lord, let's declare, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name everything that is within me that is purified that is made holy within me we bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits what he has done for us this morning i command my soul i command my heart to not forget it he forgives all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving all of my sins. Thank you, Lord, for healing all of my diseases. We, we receive this grace that has forgiven us from everything, that has healed us from every sicknesses. Coronavirus will not touch you, will not touch your home, will not touch your family, will not touch your people, will not touch your church and your city in the mighty name of Jesus. We release this grace 
that will uh, protect you and heal you from every sicknesses. It says, he will redeem your life from the pit and he crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. We belonged to the pit. We belonged to decay. And yet the Bible says he redeemed our life from the pit. And this morning as we pray and as we believe and as we agree, he is crowning us with steadfast love and mercy. Come on, believe that. Say an amen. Just receive this over your life. It says in verse 5, he satisfies you with good things. And he does this so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He's satisfying you with good things. I know that there are several things that are going bad around you, but this morning he is releasing something good into your life and your youth is going to be renewed like the eagles. Your youth is going to be renewed like the child of an eagle whose youth is renewed in every season. This is a new season that we've entered in. And in this season, the Lord has renewed your strength. You're going to be pure like never before. You're going to be holy like never before. You're going to be righteous like never before. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that you are blessed by the word. We would love for you to be our guest on any of the weekends on a Saturday night service at 7 p.m. or a Sunday morning service at 11 a.m. For more information, please visit our website dreamingrevival.com.